This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Overcoming temptation. This is one of those series that people just get so excited about. I mean, it's just, man, it's just overwhelming excitement when you talk about overcoming temptation. Um, just really stirs you up. But how many know it's something we need? How many have ever been tempted? Lift your hand. How many have yielded to temptation? Lift your hand. Some of you didn't lift your hand. I want you to know you yielded to temptation then, not to lift your hand. No. It's okay to be tempted. It's when we yield to that temptation. But we need to learn as Christians how to overcome temptation, how to overcome sin, even when we yield to it. Because God wants you to have the best year you've ever had. God wants you to expand, to increase. He wants you to have a greater impact on the world around you. He wants you to be all that he's called you to be. He has a destiny and a purpose for you. And when you're yielding to temptation, it can shipwreck your faith. It can cause you not to have confidence in God. It can cause you to lose your vision. And, and many times, you know, we, we preach such a grace message here People say, well, I'll just get grace later. Well, grace is not an excuse. Grace is an empowerment to overcome the temptation, to overcome the sin. God doesn't want you just to um, get saved and live in sin, live in defeat. He wants you to live victorious over that thing. And we're going to look at, and we're looking at different ways and uh, what the Word says about temptation, about tests and, and trials. You know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 30 that God has set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So that tells me that we have a choice. The, the next part, he says, choose life. In case you haven't figured it out, we should choose the life side, not the death side. <laughs> and the blessing side and not the curses. But many people are making decisions the devil doesn't even have to be involved, darling, because you make decisions that are on the deaf side. They're not according to the will of God. And we want the blessings. We want to uh, make those choices that will be in line with God's Word. Now, God has chosen, or let me say it this way, God chooses not to choose for you. He said, I will help you, I will lead you, I will guide you. I'll bring my grace, I'll bring my mercy. Everything that you need, I'll provide, but you have to choose. You have to make a choice. And you can make a choice. And it's one of the most powerful things that God has given us is the power to choose. And we need to choose wisely according to his word. And you can choose even when you think that your choice is short-lived. You know what I'm talking about? That you're not going to be able to carry it out. Because you can't carry it out. It's his strength. And that's what we want to learn. How to get his strength through that situation. Through that uh, temptation. We've seen that God is interested in our heart. He's interested in our character, our integrity. He wants us to uh, have influence. So he's after the heart. He's more interested in your heart than your ministry, because your ministry will be tied to your heart. Everything, the issues come out of your heart. So we need to guard our heart. 
we need to learn some things that we can be all that he's called us to be. We need to make those right choices, and we're going to look at that. In Romans chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Say much more. Now, the law of Moses, the Old Testament, all these laws, how many know that the laws that God gave are good laws? I mean, it's not good to murder. It's not good to commit adultery. I think we'd all agree these are not good things. The law is good. What made it an offense is that we could not fulfill it in our own strength. In fact, the New Testament called it the ministry of death. It's it's good. But we needed grace to fulfill it. So it says where sin abounds or abounded, grace abounded much more. That means wherever that place of sin is in your life or a place that you are yielding to temptation, there's more grace available. How much grace? More grace than that thing you're yielding to or that sin. More grace than that temptation you're facing. Say more grace. That's wonderful news. And see, something inside of us wants to run from God when we mess up. And that's what I used to do until I got a revelation of that he's forgiven me past, present, and future of all my sins and that he loves me and I can go to the throne room of grace and get mercy. Mercy is when I've blown it. Mercy is when I need him to come and be merciful. Mercy is when you've laid out in the sun without any suntan lotion and you're burnt to a crisp. You need mercy. (laughs) But see, we got to get, or we need to get on the grace side. The grace uh, of God, his ability before we yield to that temptation, before we give in. That's a better way. Now, we all need mercy at times, but I'd rather want grace, be on the grace side. Everybody hear what I'm saying? So how do we do that? What do we need to do? We need to know that God, that his word is truth. How many have ever heard that God hates sin? And I want to translate that a little different way to you because uh, we look at it the wrong way, I think. What it really means is God hates you to hurt. God hates for you to, to live a life that is of devastation and destruction and pain. God doesn't want you in pain. God doesn't want your marriage to go down the tubes. God doesn't want your business to to go bankrupt. God wants you blessed in all areas. God hates for you to hurt because he loves you. Now, if you have children, you know you hate for your children to hurt. That's the way God looks at it. We think that we're hurting him, but actually, you know, we can't hurt God. It's his heart for us, his children. That's what hurts because he knows where that sin will take you, where yielding the temptation will take you, and it's painful. It hurts. The wages of sin is still death. And even if our society says there's certain sins that don't hurt, Just because the government said it doesn't hurt doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Because God says sin hurts. Sin brings the wages of death. 
So that means, well, you're just old-fashioned. Well, call me what you want, but I'd rather have life than death. I'd rather have the blessing than the curse. And I choose life. Say, I choose life. I choose the blessing. We have to choose. We have to make a choice. In James 1, verse 13, our, our key text for this series, says, Let no man say when he is tested, I'm tested by God, for it's not possible for God to be tested by evil, and he himself puts no man to such a test. But every man is tested when he is, he is turned out of the right way by the attraction of his desire. Then when its time comes, desire gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full growth, gives birth to death. So we see here progression, and God is not the one who tempts us with evil. Temptation here means to examine, to prove, to try, to test, to scrutinize, and to entice. Temptation. God is not testing you with evil. He's not enticing you. To get you to mess up. And we saw that he did tempt, he did test in the Old Testament, but not the New Covenant believer. Why is that? Why doesn't he test us? Because if he was to examine you, he would look straight at your spirit and say, you look like Jesus. You're blameless. You're holy. You're the righteousness of God in your spirit, man. That's the part where the Holy Spirit resides. If your spirit doesn't like, look like Jesus and the Holy Spirit is there, your spirit's going to blow up. But see, the Holy Spirit comes to live within your spirit because you've been, you're a new creation. That's what the Bible says. So your sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven. That's wonderful news. That means when I mess up, I can run the Father. Used to be I ran away from Him. It took me a few days to come back even back to prayer because I felt so bad what, about what I did. But I didn't know he was saying, come running back. He loves me. And he has mercy and he has more grace for me than that thing I'm facing. That means whatever you're facing, there's grace for it to overcome it. Say like good news. Evil here, tempt you with evil means wor worthless. Bad, harmful, ill, noisome, and, and wicked. We talked about anything that makes you feel uh, worthless. Anything that injures you or uh, is, is evil or, or wicked. God does not test us. He, he, we find no place in the New Testament where he tests a New Testament or New Covenant believer. Those that have accepted Jesus as Lord. Because God looks at us through the blood, through the finished work of the cross. So why did God, and we looked at this, the, when Jesus went through the three temptations, we represent all the temptations that we will ever face. Because all that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You find those in those three temptations that Jesus went through. Why did God lead Jesus to be tested, to be tried, to be examined, to prove? Why? Because he went in our place as our substitute. Jesus was led by God where you don't have to be led by God into a place of evil. 
Jesus went and defeated every temptation that you could ever face. He defeated it in your place. His victory is now your victory. So for you to think that you cannot overcome this temptation or overcome this sin is to deny the victory that Jesus purchased at the cross and that resurrection power that is ours through the grace of God. That's good news. So if you've been listening to a lie, well, you just can't overcome this. That's a lie. Start saying, I have overcome this. Start speaking the truth. The truth will make you free, set you free. I mean, you won't be free. So Jesus was our substitute. He defeated Satan himself, and he gave us the victory over temptation. He didn't defeat some low-level demon that we might face. (laughs) Satan himself. Satan himself defeated, and he gave us that victory. So we need to look at this all different. We need to change our mind and look at things according to what the Word says. God's the author of your faith. Satan's the author of your test. Satan uses our desires to tempt us to get the fulfillment of those desires outside of God's provision or principle. When you go outside the boundaries of His Word to get a desire, there's good desires, but the enemy comes... And maybe it's a desire to be blessed financially, and maybe you're tempted to cheat on your taxes. Maybe you're tempted to take shortcuts. That's the enemy tempting you. God will provide, but you've got to do it within his principles, the operation of his kingdom. If you don't, you open the door to death and curses. Our society, I mean, it speaks and declares things that God says will hurt you. We find that there are more babies, they said now, um, by people living together than through marriage. Because society says, don't get married, just, just try it out. And they find that, that usually it doesn't work. There's no, when hard times come or some pressure's on, when the honeymoon's over, I mean, the honeymoon does leave, and all of a sudden, that little thing that she did you thought was so cute is annoying you. And you wake up one morning, and you say, I don't feel married. That's crazy. (laughs) See, God has a way of doing things, and it might seem old-fashioned or seem out of date, but I You've got to know that his truth endures forever, and it's still in date. It's still for now. It's still for today. It doesn't matter what someone says. Had someone tell me one time, we we just want to live together for a while and, and see if we're compatible sexually. I said, forget it. God made sure that'll work. You'll figure it out. Give me a break. So we have society and and the culture saying these things and it tries to creep into the church and then we wonder why we're defeated, why things are going the wrong way. And you can even get to the point you start blaming God and defending your position. 
But see, the wages of sin is still death and it still hurts. So we need to grasp hold of grace and walk in victory that he has for us. So Satan will bring those shortcuts, you know, uh, and try and get you to get things outside the boundary of, of his word. It's not God testing us. He's not permitting uh, uh, these things or allowing these things to happen because in the beginning, in the garden, who let Satan into the earth? Who let the intruder have voice or authority in the earth? Say, Adam and Eve. Adam. <laughs> the Bible says it really wasn't Eve's fault, it was Adam's. Give Ben a good elbow back there. Thank you. I'll get him on both sides. <laughs> so we, uh, we allow, man allowed, the tempter, the tester, the one who steals, kill, destroy to come in. It wasn't, wasn't God's will. Man did it. In James 4, verse 4, it says, Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? It's an enemy of God, opposed to God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace, say more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, therefore Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we're not to be conformed to this world. We're to love people of this world, but not their ways, because their ways are ways of death that cause pain and cause hurt. And we're to be people that bring love, but we bring Jesus to them and bring the answer to them. These things of the world are opposed to God and his kingdom. And people need to see a difference in us. And we're not called to just blend in with the world. We're called to be different where people will see and know that there is a difference about us. The wages of sin is death. But many people go along, well, nothing's happened. Nothing's, I've been doing this for a while. I'm getting away with it. It's because it hasn't produced, a, it hasn't come to full growth. Full growth is going to bring a crop of death. In high school, it's on the basketball team, and I'm taking this test. And my best friend is sitting beside me, and he has all the answers to the test. Now, I know none of you never did this. But we were, we were fairly decent at it. We thought we were getting away with it. We would even make sure that we missed questions, even though we had the whole, all the answers. And I don't know, you know how I got, but we had all the answers. And we wanted to make sure that we missed different ones and we were not going to make an A on it because the teacher knew both of us. Well, one day, we're taking this test and looking at the answers. I turn away looking at something for some reason, and in comes the coach. Now, the football coach was the basketball coach. And he comes to my friend right beside him, and he's looking down, and he sees all the answers. He takes the test, the, the answer, the cheat sheet, and takes my friend 
and they leave. I immediately had, I'd never experienced this lady's a hot flash. <laughs> I'm so glad he didn't turn back and see me sweating and just res a beat. But. And my friend, now this is back in the days where they gave spankings. It's back in the day when you got a spanking school, you got one at home too. The one at home was worse than the one at school, but when you played sports, I don't know, about that one's about equal. And he had this paddle, they had holes in it, and I mean, he probably, they'd get kicked out of school for doing this today, probably be child abuse. But you, you bend over, and I mean, you are walloped, and you don't sit down for a week. I mean, without pain, you can't get comfortable. He wanted to see my friend and everything, and, and we're talking, and he said, man, he said, he really, you know, laid on me, all this stuff, and I said, well, thanks for not saying anything. He said, oh, I wasn't going to do that to you, and thought I got away with it, you know, everything's fine, until I got, found out I wasn't going to the NBA to play basketball. Somehow in my mind, I thought it was. Somebody needed to say the truth to me. You're not going. You are not. <laughs> but anyway, that's the reason we have parents, because teenagers, there's a disconnect. Just, just true. They, their brain is still growing, maturing. Some adults are still on that one. Anyway, I found out I wasn't going to play the, uh, the NBA, and I decided, you know, I need to get some schooling here. So I decided to go to school. I had to take tests and stuff. My tests were so low that when they gave out the little catalog, my courses were not in the book. I had to take courses to get in the catalog. I started below zero. You know what I did? I regretted. I was beating myself. Oh, if I'd only studied, if I'd only done the right thing, I could saved all this. It was a, a form of death. A consequence came. And it's the same. You might be thinking you're getting away with something. You're not. It's, it's going to come to a crop. But here's the good thing. You can stop it and get grace, more grace, and overcome that area. And you can become strong in that area. You can help other people in that area. And then you can actually turn around what the enemy is meant for evil and destruction in your life. You can turn it around for good and give God praise. God never intended for, for you to conquer temptation or sin in your own strength. I hear people, I just don't have the strength to do this. Well, no you don't. God doesn't expect you to. He has the strength. He has the power. How do you do this, you guy? Have humility. Be humble. Humility is willingness, say willingness, to surrender your will, your opinions, and your view to the view and will of God. When you are willing, and that's all God's looking for, your willingness, when you're willing, grace will come. Grace will come. You might be willing and thinking inside, there's no way I can do this. But see, if you'll 
you'll surrender your will in that area to Him, grace will come. And His ability to overcome that area where you can win. It says in the Bible that the devil comes seeking whom he may devour. He can't just devour anyone. You have to cooperate with him. You have to be in agreement. Your beliefs, your thoughts, you have to be in agreement with him. The warfare in the Bible, the New Testament, is really not against the devil. It's against those thoughts and imaginations and arguments and reasonings that come in war in your soul. We have a battle of the mind. And what I have to do is take my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. I have to take those thoughts and come into agreement, humble myself and say, your opinion's my opinion. Your will's my will. Your view of things is my view of things. See, one of the greatest lies that the enemy has is that sin brings pleasure. Sin brings pleasure for a moment, but it never gives abiding pleasures. It's a, it's a trap. It's candy-coated poison. It's death. It's a curse in our lives. And we have to know that that sin is not a list of those things that are fun, pleasurable things to do that God said you can't. And that living a godly life is not a dull, boring, difficult thing that he's asked you to do. You have to know that sin brings destruction. Sin brings pain. Every pain in your life right now is a product of some belief or some attitude, some action of sin. It's the truth. So no wonder God gave us grace to overcome this. Because he hates sin. He hates what it does to us. It's not that God's going to get you, but your sin will. But there's grace. There's grace. Say there's no condemnation. I receive grace. So the warfare that we, we fight is against the lies of the enemy, his deception. He, he comes with accusation. He comes against your identity. You need to get totally established in who you are in Christ Jesus. We've got a series called Your True Identity. You need to get that series and listen to it a hundred times. Get your identity. That's what the enemy came to Jesus about. If you are the Son of God. Remember that temptation? He's questioning who he was. And so you can start questioning yourself when you mess up and yield to temptation. You'll start saying, well, who am I? Do I really belong to God? Am I really living for him? Yes. Yes. Because he has your spirit. When you sin, it's of the soul. Death takes place in your mind, will, and emotions. When you ask God to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, it's not of your spirit that experienced the new birth because for unrighteousness to come in that place would mean that you have rejected Christ. And it says that he will not be crucified again. Where's the unrighteousness? In your mind, your beliefs, your emotions. And we need to release that 
and receive the cleansing from that unrighteousness that has given us guilt and shame and condemnation and rise up and see who we are in Christ. Good news. So if you want grace, you must believe. I must believe God's truth. And we've got to see that, that sin is not pleasurable. It, it is for a moment. But then comes pain. Pain. And Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life in your presence. It's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, if you think that sin is pleasure, when the pressure's on, when things are coming against you, you're weary and tired, you run for pleasure. And if you believe that sin, you will pursue sin instead of pursuing God. But see, you're mixed up on what really is pleasurable then. God is pleasurable. God gives abiding pleasures. Wow. See how the world has it mixed up. We've got to know the truth. We've got to walk in this truth. God loves you. God wants you to avoid sin because it destroys you. So we know that sin leads to pain, but what about this taking every thought captive uh, into captivity to the obedience of Christ? Does that mean I make every thought obey me or I make my thoughts obey Christ? No, it means that when that temptation comes, I ask this question. Did Jesus conquer this temptation or this sin through his obedience? Through his obedience at the cross? Did he conquer it? Say yes. Because he conquered every sin. The only place I need to fight then and do battle is where he didn't win the victory. Because his victory is my victory. Does that make sense? So what's the enemy want? He wants you to stay yielding in temptation. He wants those secret things to stay secret where you can never move forward in your life. Where you can, uh, he's hoping you'll wait till that crop comes up and it comes and bites you and something dies in your life. The best way to cast down the lie is to acknowledge the truth. Everything in you might be saying, I want to do this, I want to do this, but you need to say, Jesus conquered this sin. He conquered this temptation. Therefore, sin has no power over me. And therefore, I'm free from this temptation. You can say that even in the midst of the temptation. And in the first service, a person explaining to me that they were hooked on pornography. And they were listening to um, the, the teaching and said they just started speaking while they were looking at pornography. They're saying, I'm free from this temptation. So they felt like a nut. But they kept doing it. Said they kept doing it. And said, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus defeated this. I'm, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm free from this temptation. And they're looking at pornography. He said, one day, he didn't want to look at it anymore. He hasn't since. What happened? He acknowledged it and he changed his heart. 
acknowledging the truth, casting down those imagination, that reasoning, those things that are against God's word. So many times we'll focus on the sin. I mean, no, overeating's a sin. Just picture a nice, big, hot donut. Your name's on it. And you just focus on it. You say, I'm not going to eat that donut. I don't like donuts and I don't want to eat donuts. And you just keep saying that all the time. No donuts for me, no donuts for me, no donuts for Bob. No, no donuts, no hot donuts, no chocolate-covered donuts, no donuts around the corner. No, no donuts. I'm going to be at the donut shop. That's where you'll find me. Because I've magnified that thing and made it big. What I need to do is speak the truth. Speak what God's Word says. And when you speak God's Word, grace comes. His power comes. And you start, I'm not saying the Word to get God to do something. I'm changing, I'm persuading my heart and getting me back on track. Getting me back in order, back in line. And then the grace flows. The grace comes. And I say, no to that don't. And it's not a, a part of willpower. It's not, and willpower's good, but I'm saying this supersedes willpower. Because many things, temptations, we want it so bad, we don't have the willpower to overcome it. And don't think that you're above temptation. You're not. But this is a power greater than your will. It's greater than your will. It's the power of God working out of your heart. From the inside out, bringing you freedom. So don't run. Don't hide those things. Bring them out. Bring them out. I had a person call me yesterday and they said, I had something hidden in my life. I've been gambling. I've lost all this money. I said, good. Good. So glad. Proud of you. Because this thing's been hidden. And this thing will destroy your life. But you know I said? There's more grace. There's grace coming. And we're going to turn this thing around. You start speaking what God says. Let's get some accountability. I know someone in your house you can tell. Oh no. Yes. Yes can walk this thing out. Some of you need account, somebody to hold you accountable. Ooh, I'm preaching good this morning. Excuse me. Excuse me. Philemon 1.6, that the communication, the sharing, the living, the walking out of thy faith may become effectual, affected by the acknowledging verbal and mental of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Speaking the truth affects your heart, affects your heart. Sin always brings death and brings death to your soul, that mind, will, emotions. You know, uh, Goliath, how many remember the story of David and Goliath? You know, David had enough sense not to compare himself to the giant. He compared his God to the giant. And that's what you have to do to your sin. Compare your God to that sin. Because the victory that Jesus secured and got for you is your victory. 
Well, Pastor, I don't believe that. Well, you're not going to have it until you believe it. Get in the Word. Believe it. Listen to this over and over. This ministry night. Listen. Get it. Because you can. You can do it in Christ. In closing of uh, Hebrews 4 9, there remains therefore rest to the people of God. For he that entered into his rest, he has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. It doesn't say laboring for victory. It doesn't say uh, laboring for change. It says to labor to rest. It means that I have to put forth some effort. I have to invest some time in my relationship with God. I have to spend some time in prayer, some time in the Word. I have to make an investment, and it will change my heart. And you know what? That place of temptation, that place of sin, will become a place of rest. Because it will be like you change from the inside, and it doesn't take. It's, it's easy to change. In. You find yourself changed, almost. It just... One day, I've changed. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for truth. We thank you, Lord, that you haven't saved us just to live a defeated life, to yield the temptation, to live in sin, to live in death, and, but to live in victory. And we thank you for Jesus Christ defeating temptation and sin for us. And we're in Christ. And if we're in Christ, then sin has lost its power. And temptation is defeated. We're free from it in Jesus' name. We give you honor and glory. If there's anyone here with every head bowed, you never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, the greatest decision that you can make is to accept Him as Lord and be His. How do you do it? You give Him your will and say, I surrender, Lord. I surrender. Even when you surrender Him, there's a grace involved in that. If that's you, or maybe you've done that before, but you realize today you're disconnected from God. You've been settling in some areas. You're not right where you need to be. Or maybe maybe today really spoke to you and you realize that you've been compromising and you need to rise up and get God in that area and stop closing Him out invite Him in and come to Him he's, he's welcoming you He said come boldly to the throne of grace that's how much He loves you He said come boldly even in your sin that's you for either one of these to get saved for the first time or to reconnect with God or today you realize there's some temptations there's some places that you're going to overcome won't you just lift your hand we'll pray together thank you Lord see those hands yes thank you Lord thank you Lord let's pray just repeat this after me say Father I thank you that Jesus came and died for me. His victory is my victory. And therefore I'm free from temptation. I'm free from sin. I acknowledge it. I speak it forth. And I persuade my heart to the truth. I humble myself before you. In Jesus name. 
And now I'd say, dear God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus who died for me that I could be alive in him that I could call God Father. Thank you for saving me. I'll live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God thanks. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.